Grab a seat. Hey, uh, if you have a Bible, uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 27. Uh, so if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab that. Hey, I'm going to read the text for us, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to launch in. Oh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Kevin Barra. Um, I oversee all the youth ministry here at Grace Bible Church. I've got a great staff, uh, Chris Pletcher. Where he at? Woo! Back there. Uh, oversees the stuff here on Southwood, Jacob Smith. Overseas the junior high at Anderson, uh, Holly Nelson. Overseas just about everything, and so she's great. And then uh, Kevin Rund is our youth intern. Awesome as well. Um, and, we, and we got a lot of great leaders, leaders. Woo! Uh, and, and all of us labor hard to love you well and put together stuff like this. And so I hope, uh, hope you appreciate it. Um, I hope you have fun here. So let me read our text for us and we'll jump in. First Corinthians chapter 9, 19 through 27. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win more. To the Jew, I became a Jew as a Jew so that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those who are without the law as without the law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without the law. I'll explain that. Fear not. To win the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all means... To save some, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not as beating the air, but I discipline my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Let me pray for us. Father, I'm just excited to be here. Um, I love these moments when we, we gather all the youth ministry of Grace Bible Church um, and just friends that, that are coming to check things out. I just love these moments, Lord, that we can gather together and, and learn together. Can, we can worship together. And we can see that we're not alone in the campuses that we go to. There's other believers, other people that are seeking to know God around us. And Lord, that's really comforting. And Lord, I just praise you for moments like this. And so Lord, I pray that you would guide my words. You would guide our thoughts, that you would strike us right at the heart. And there's a lot of us that need different things tonight. They're, we're coming looking for different things. So I'd ask that you pray for yourself, that your heart would be open and that you would hear exactly what God wants to speak to you tonight. And if you'd be willing, I'd ask that you pray for me, that my words would make sense and be clear. Father, we love you. We lift this time to you. Near me pray. Amen. Hey, well, I love free. Anyone else love free? I love free. There was a time period of time when I, when I went to my place where Jesus meets me, and that's called Starbucks. And I'd go to Starbucks, and if I ordered a coffee at Starbucks and they didn't have it brewed yet, they would bless me by giving me a free cup of, of coffee, and it was great. I loved free. Uh, I used to, when I was in high school, I, uh, over the summers, I worked at grocery stores, and I was a sacker. I bagged groceries for people. 
and there's something that we all love. We all enjoy grocery stores and that is the free samples. And so I got to be friends with the bakers in the bakery region. And I would literally bring a cake from the, the different displays, bring it to them. And I said, Hey, can you chop this up for free samples for us? Cause I love free. And I would bag a couple groceries, walk over there, grab some samples and, and walk back. I love free. I love free t-shirts. Anyone like free t-shirts? I love free t-shirts. And it doesn't matter what the t-shirt's for. It doesn't matter what it's doing. It doesn't matter if there's a suitcase on it or a go on the back. I love free. Anyone like free? See some people back there like free. Yeah, that's good free. I love free. And it may be the same t-shirt, but I tell you what, I love free. And we're going to work our way back that way. Oh, sorry. I love free. Free is phenomenal. I love free stuff. I love free so much. I love getting free. I love giving free. And you know what what I love about free t-shirts? It doesn't matter what it says. It doesn't matter what it does. It's free. And I don't know how to, how to win this one, but let me ask this question. Let me ask this question to help determine who the last person to get this free t-shirt is. Today is March 9th. Does anyone have a birthday today? Birthday tomorrow? Someone's having a birthday on the 10th? Do you want free? Sorry, close enough to the birthday. Oh, there's my best arm. Woohoo! Love free. Love free. And I think we all love free. Free is great. And not only do I love free stuff, you know what else I love that's free? I love free from. Not just free things, but I also love free from. And I think you love free from too. And most of you are thinking to yourself, what do you mean, Kevin? What do you mean free from? I love free from responsibilities. What's coming up very soon here? Ski trip, yes. But more, but more broad than that. Spring break. Why do we love spring break? No school. Free from. Free from responsibilities. That means I don't have anything to do. I can sit and watch TV. I can play Xbox. Your mom goes, hey, do you have something coming up? And you're just like, no, mom, I'm free. Freedom. Some of you are thinking to yourself, I can finally go see those movies that I want to see. You can go watch the Bieber movie. You've been waiting and biding your time. You can see it. You can see it for the 21st time this spring break. I know you're kind of counting and hoping. I love free. I love free from responsibility. You know what you also love? I'm just telling you, you love this despite, and your parents are going to hate this, but you love, you love. It's part of the reason you love going on ski trip. You love free from parents. Am I right? You love free. You love free. Not only do you love free from parents, you love free from curfew, Right? Some of you are so looking forward to driving because that driving will give you freedom, right? I remember when I was in high school, some of my friends first started driving and we would load up into his car and we had jack to do. We had nothing to do. We had no things to do, but we had the freedom of the ride and we could go wherever we wanted to and we were free and it was great. And so what we chose to do was to go armadillo hunting, right? 
And so we would go on the back roads, we would go on peak road and we would drive through these back roads and we would get to some region and we would take a peak on peak, which means we would pee on peak road and it was great. And after we peed on peak road, taking a peak on peak, we would then go search out the armadillos. We would try to trap the armadillos. We would be wily with the armadillos. Uh, one time when I was not with them, they, uh, I wasn't with them, uh, trust me. They got an armadillo, they stuck it in a bag and released it into a McDonald's because they love, you should go free armadillo, right? I'm not recommending this. I'm just saying that's what happens. And we love free things. We love free from. We all love free. But I tell you what, as we grow up, as we grow up, we often think free is where it's at. In fact, many of you are thinking to yourself, as you head off to college, you're so excited because you will finally be free from all responsibility, from the parents, from the curfew. Your parents will not know what you're doing. When I was in college, we used to go at midnight to Krispy Kreme Donuts and get those donuts um, as they come off the hot oven at midnight. We could do whatever we wanted because you were completely free and you're counting down the minutes till that moment happens. Others of you are thinking to yourself, no, I'm not, I'm not thinking about curfew, but, but I absolutely can't wait for freedom and autonomy to make my own decisions. Some of you are now in junior high and you're just psyched that you get all the choices of junior high cafeteria. You know, that's your level of freedom that you've arrived. But all of us love, love, love free. Because many of us think that we have autonomy when we're free and we can totally make all of our own decisions. What's interesting though, and this is true if your life, if you think about it, this is true. You don't like free in every arena of life. I'm gonna prove it to you. Anyone play sports? I will tell you this. You will limit your freedom in whatever activity you do if two things are present, if two things collide in a moment. These two things. One, you see a greater goal. And two, by limiting your freedoms, you receive better benefits. Promise you. You will limit your freedoms if you see a greater goal and you know that by limiting your freedoms, you will receive greater benefits. Think about it on a sports team. You are free when you're playing rec soccer, right? You can run wherever you want. You can kick whatever you want. You don't, if they assign you as goalie, you're like, I'm not playing goalie. I'm running, you know, and you can just run wherever you want. You have freedom to choose to do that, whatever you want. If you're in band and you've got your oboe and you're ripping it up, you have freedom. You'd be like, I'm not going to play Bach. I'm playing Yankee Doodle Dandy all day long. You, know, you can do whatever, you have freedom within that. If you're a cheerleader and you've got your specific cheers that y'all are wanting to do and, and they kind of line it up, you should do this cheer and kind of do this mold. You can be like, those cheers, that's stupid. I'm shaking my tiger all day long, every day. I don't care what they're doing. I'm, I'm shaking my tiger. And you can choose to exercise your freedoms. Some of you are in dance, right? And do you love your little dance squad, your cute little hand motions, and you got all that fun stuff? But I tell you what, you could choose to exercise freedom. You could say, your number is terrible. I'm gonna do my own thing. And you work your way off to the left and you're just working it. You know, you're doing your deal <laughs> on the side because you have freedom to do whatever you want. You are free, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. When you exercise your freedom in certain arenas, here's what's ultimately going to happen, okay? You will find that your success will suffer and your enjoyment will be lower. 
If you are free on the soccer field and you're running free doing whatever you want on the field, I tell you what, you may have fun for a moment, but your success will suffer. You will start losing games quickly and the rest of your team will be like, you can sit the bench, thank you. If you're on the cheerleader squad, you can exercise your freedom, but your success as a cheerleader group will suffer. People will be mocking you and it will be very awkward for everyone else. In the band, the success of the band will dramatically suffer because no one will want to listen to you. No one will want to come to your thing. And eventually people will be like, you need to get out of here. But not only will your success suffer, your enjoyment will be lower. If you limit your freedoms in these arenas of sports, in dance, in whatever thing that you're doing, if you limit your freedoms, if you self-impose some limits, you know what you'll find? You enjoy whatever you're doing a lot more. Because there are moments, there are things that if we limit ourselves in, you know, we find that we are more fulfilled by choosing to do that. Now, why do I start there? Because of what Paul says in this passage. What Paul says at the very beginning of this passage, verse 19, he says this, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all so that I might win more. Paul was free. He could choose to do whatever he wants, but he says, I'm I'm choosing to give myself a self-imposed slavery. I'm going to enslave myself to all men so that I might win more. He chooses slavery, though he could have had freedom. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, okay, Paul, why would you do that? You're an adult. You can choose whatever you want. But I'll tell you why he chose to. And really, it's why we're here tonight. There became an intersection with the life of Paul that was so dramatic and so beautiful that he said, every freedom that I have, I'm willing to release if I can chase that goal. If you know the life of Paul in the book of Acts records it, is that he was an anti-Christian. He was persecuting Christians. If any of you are really questioning Christianity, what the whole thing is about, and maybe you're even anti-Christian personally, that was Paul. In fact, he took it a step further than you probably have. He murdered Christians. And there came a moment when he had a dramatic intersection with Jesus. Literally, a light blew up, blinded him, and he is on the ground. And he says, who are you, Lord? And Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? And he says, go to this place. This man will heal you. And this dramatic intersection with the person of Christ changed everything. In fact, he'll write in the book of Philippians, I consider everything that I gained lost compared to knowing Christ Jesus and the fellowship of his sufferings. Nothing is worth this thing that I've gained. Knowing this person of Jesus has made me willing to sacrifice all else for his sake. Knowing this Christ has caused me to release my freedoms because I see that this is so much more glorious. If there's a great goal, And you know that this goal will bring you better benefits than whatever else you are chasing. I tell you what, you will limit your freedoms. Some of you, you, that's the stopping point for you tonight. You need to just hear that reality of who Jesus is and have this intersection with the person of Christ. And that's all you need to be thinking about tonight. Because he is incredible. And if you haven't met him, you're not going to be able to track with the rest of what we're saying. But if you meet this man, I tell you what, he changes you, he meets your deepest need, and he is worth the sacrifice of all things for his sake. But if you've met him, 
if you know him, there's further places to go. And what he says specifically is, I've made myself a slave to all men. And he lists three groups right here. He lists Jews, Gentiles, and the weak. You could combine them all to one, but he's basically saying, there's three constituencies of people that I'm choosing to make myself a slave to. And what does he mean by that? He's saying specifically, I am going to sacrifice my life, my time, my effort, my energy to reach these people for the gospel. In fact, he says that then in verse 23, I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I might become a fellow partaker of it. That word fellow partaker basically just means I sacrifice for the sake of the gospel because I see the joy in it. And so there's three groups that he is submitting himself to voluntarily, the Jews, the Gentiles, and the Greeks. So what does that mean? What does it mean he's submitting himself to those people? Well, the Jews were the religious crew that he used to be from. And they had a certain way of doing things, certain washings that they would do. In fact, uh, and so he submitted himself to those. Also, he had a buddy named Timothy that traveled with him as he was doing missionary work. And he had Timothy circumcised because the Jews always circumcised. Now, that was a bigger sacrifice on Timothy's part. I'm well aware of that, but, but he did that. He chose to limit his freedoms for the sake of bringing the gospel to these people. He took on things that he wouldn't normally for the sake of bringing the gospel to them. Also, he did the same thing with the Gentiles. In, in Acts chapter 17, you see him literally go to the Gentiles and he takes messages from their prophets and, cha- and encapsulates the gospel in a way that they'll understand it. He quotes from their prophetic writers and their philosophers that they listen to. It'd be like today him like pulling from Lady, Lady Gaga and Eminem and like packaging it in a message for people. And so he's, he's kind of quoting those people and kind of giving it out there to reach them. And also says he, he, to the weak, he became weak. I think what that simply means is that he went to the lowest of society where there was no pride or benefit to going to them for the sake of bringing them the gospel. Now, how does that play out for us? Now, what, what does that look like for us? Well, if you have met this person of Christ, if you have begun a relationship with him, what it means are there are certain constituencies that you and I encounter that are gonna take some time, gonna take some energy, gonna take some effort to reach. There are certain limitations that you need to put on your freedoms if the gospel is that important. If Jesus means that much to you, that means you put limits on yourself so that people might know him. Well, how does that play out? Well, I've heard of a couple great stories recently that have, that have been really hilarious. Several of the leaders from the Southwood group, leaders from Southwood, woo-hoo, chose on their own initiative to go to Chris Pletcher's house and paint themselves up in BCS blue and go to a junior high basketball game and cheer on a guy like crazy and, and celebrate like his, his moment of fame. They traveled, they took time and energy to paint themselves up blue, go over to this place and cheer on this guy. Why? Well, I don't know if you're aware of this, but BCS basketball games aren't like, you know, the place to be on a Tuesday night. Maybe I'm not aware of that. Um, well, I just don't know that they're drawing 50,000 people like an A&M football game. I'm just saying, like, they're, 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 there's a limit on it. But, but I tell you what these, these people have within them. They love their guys. And they want to put sacrifices on their time and effort and energy to reach them because it's worth it. I know I, when I was in high school, personally, I ran track and track is not the, uh, the sport that everyone's just dying to go to for, you know, like, you got to sit there for about... 
20 hours to sit through a track meet. I know it's exceedingly long. The throwers throw at about 6 a.m. And then the last race is about 1 a.m. You know, it's, it's a ridiculously long meet. But I had friends literally that would come out to my meets and cheer me on the whole time. Every race that I ran, they would be there cheering me on. I remember with two guys in particular came back from college, came to my race, and were literally running around the track cheering me on every moment they had. Because they had to? No. But because it was worth it to them to reach out to me. We do the same thing with the gospel. We go to those that other people aren't going to. We reach out to them because the message is worth it. We sacrifice our personal freedoms for this sake. There's two questions I would encourage you to ask yourself. We all have goals in life, right? You have goals, passions. Maybe it's just to graduate high school, get through junior high. You've got goals in life. We all have goals in life. I'd ask you this question. Is your goal great enough to cost your life? Whatever goal you have. Is it big enough? Is it great enough that you'd said, I'd be willing to sacrifice my life for this thing? There was a businessman years ago that's, that uh, had built this huge company. And someone asked him, okay, how much is your company worth? How much did it cost? And he goes, not much, just one man's life. You know, whatever you choose to do with your life, that's the cost. If you chase academic endeavors, it's going to cost your life. If you chase sports endeavors, it's going to cost your life. Look at professional football players. When they retire, it costs them their body and their life. Is whatever you're chasing, is it big enough to cost your life? Secondly, is your goal permanent enough to outlast your life? You thought about that? Is whatever you're chasing permanent enough to outlast the life that you're going to live? Now, what do you mean by that, Kevin? Well, I'll ask you this question. Will your life outlast, or the things that you do in life outlast what you are choosing to do with your life? The book of Ecclesiastes uh, is kind of like a depressing book. So if you're like ever feeling like just kind of mopey and depressed, read Ecclesiastes, it'll make you feel worse. He starts out by saying, meaningless, meaningless. It's all meaningless. And you may be reading that going, oh, yeah, yeah, thank you, yes. (laughs) And one of the things that he says is that a man strains his whole life to build an empire, to build his wealth. But who gets it when he dies? His sons, and his sons are probably going to waste it. It goes to another man who didn't earn the work that he put into it. Meaningless, meaningless, it's all meaningless. You know, that, that's kind of the statement of Ecclesiastes. Let me ask you a question. The pursuits that you are chasing, are they going to outlast your life? Are you going to make a lasting impression in this world? Is your goal college? Great. Is your pursuit of college going to make an impression, a lasting impact, a crater bigger than what you, when you die, is it going to matter? I'll tell you this, there's only two things in life that will last for eternity. And some of you have heard this before. Some of you, you're going to hear this for the first time, but this is powerful. There's only two things in this world that will last for eternity. The word of God and the souls of men. The word of God, the Bible in your hand, and the souls of men, the person sitting next to you. C.S. Lewis says that you do not know a mere mortal. Every one of us is an eternal being. The person sitting next to you is an eternal being. That will last for eternity. 
So why does Paul like so gun ho about sacrificing like his, his own like personal, what he can do in life? Why is he making himself a slave to the Jews, a slave to the Gentiles, a slave? To the, why does he chasing these things? Because he grasped this point. There's only two things in this world that will last, the word of God and the souls of men. And his goal said, man, nothing else is worth this. Nothing else is, is worth the pursuit of my life than to chase men down and do everything I can so that they might know this Jesus that I know. Now, what he says is I become all things to all men so that by all means, some might be saved. Ladies, that is not a life verse for you in and of itself. You got to get some context around it, right? That could be very bad, right? If that played out. Anyway, what it means is this. I sacrifice some of my rights so that people might know this Jesus I know. And so what does that mean? That means some of you need to engage in that awkward conversation. There's that awkward guy at school. There's that awkward girl in school and you know who it is. And you may engage in that awkward conversation of inviting them in or talking to them about Jesus. There may be that really cool guy at school, kind of unapproachable, too cool. He's like, yeah, whatever, you know. You know, he's that guy. Too cool at every moment, right? For the moment. He's like, the moment is too cool around him. Like it flees his coolness, right? And you may engage in that awkward moment to say, do you mind if I just tell you about something that totally changed my life? And I feel like you might want to know him. You'd be like, you can tell me about Jesus? And you'd be like, yeah, I actually will. You know what it means? It means we go to the places that are kind of unexpected to meet with people where they're at. Um, I'm reading the biography of George Whitfield. George Whitfield was a very famous preacher back in the 1750s. George Whitfield was basically a lightning rod. And wherever he showed up, boom, things happened. And George Whitfield uh, got in his mind that he needed to go to Georgia as a missionary. And so he waits literally for a year for the boats to be ready for him to travel to Georgia. And while he's doing that, he's kind of doing a speaking tour. And everyone around is applauding and celebrating and loving George Whitfield. His sermons are being printed. Everyone's celebrating. Literally, um, near the middle, toward the end of his life, he was the most popular person in the world. He made Justin Bieber look like he was just a spark, right? And he is anyway. (laughs) Praise be to God. Anyway. (laughs) Love you guys. So George Whitfield gets on this boat. And the boat at that time, um, the New World, America, where we're at, wasn't really established yet. And so um, literally there were colonies and it was rugged wilderness. And he was headed to Georgia to the rugged wilderness to preach the gospel to Indians and to the people living in Georgia. And so he gets onto the boat um, with all of these supplies, like he's got um, sugar and spices and like just tons of supplies. And he gets all of this stuff together, gets onto this boat and he's thinking to himself, look, I've had all the success in preaching and stuff. So what I want to do is I want to preach the gospel to these people on this boat. Okay. So he's excited about this process. And so, but the boat is filled with a bunch of, uh, a bunch of sailors and soldiers who 
don't give a rip about George Whitfield, and a bunch of poor lower-class people that are not really educated and haven't really heard of George Whitfield. And so he gets onto this boat, and he starts to like read his Bible and study kind of in this common area, and these soldiers are like just cussing up a storm and playing cards, right? Just like, and, 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 and like playing poker. And they look over at Reverend Whitfield, and they'd go, sorry, Reverend, and just like kind of continue on going, right? And Whitfield's just like, man, this is a rough bunch. And so what Woodfield decided to do, because these people were totally not receptive to anything that he was saying, he started going to the sick on the boat. Now, boats in that, at that point in time weren't as smooth sailing as like yachts and cruise ships today. They're a bit more rugged. A lot of people getting seasick, a lot of sickness, a lot of health issues. And so he would literally go and visit the sick. And as he started visiting the sick, he'd pray for them, he would care for them, he would love on them. And then he eventually started uh, distributing like sugar and uh, different supplies that he had to these people. And all of a sudden, people started getting wind of what George Whitfield was doing. And then he saw that a lot of the children that were on the boat, there was probably about a four-month journey, um, really weren't educated, not, didn't have uh, any schooling at all, as well as some of the soldiers didn't have any education either. And so literally he started a school. This is like week two of the journey. We need a school. And he starts a school on the ship and starts meeting the needs of those people around them. You know what happened? The whole ship changed. By the time they got to the Rock of Gibraltar, which is um, uh, southern Spain, by the time they got to the Rock of Gibraltar, everyone on his boat was meeting weekly, or I'm sorry, daily, twice a day, to hear him preach. Twice a day, can you imagine? And not only that, he would, uh, all boats were docked in, a, in an area for a couple days as they got more supplies, and he would literally preach out, and all three boats could hear him as he was preaching, because he had a real big, booming voice, and people, as they were hearing them preaching and seeing the change that was coming on this boat, were begging to get on his boat. Why? Because he was loving people well and caring for them. This is the simple truth. People don't care what you know until they know you care. People don't want to hear about your Jesus if they don't know that you genuinely love and care for them. And so what I'm calling us to really is two things tonight. One, personal sacrifice. That you sacrifice some of your freedoms for the sake of reaching these people with the gospel. And secondly, some personal discipline. The last part of this passage, he gives us sports illustrations and he says, everyone runs a race, but only one gets a prize. And his basic point is this, run in such a way that you're going to win. Run to win. He also says that, um, Everyone gets a prize, but he says this, they do so to get a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. To prove this point, what I have here are a ridiculous number of trophies. Most of those are mine. These ones in the middle are Dusty Langwell's, uh, lots of medals. He, he went more with medals than, uh, than trophies, which is, which is great. Lots of little things. Um, man, we, we, what do we got here? We got District 13 uh, 5A champ. Nice. 2005 Harker Heights champion. A UIL uh, district meet. Uh, varsity boys, awesome. Cross country. Tiger Relays championship, well done. So we got, we got a local celeb. Hey, hey Dusty, wh- where were those when you brought them? Where were those when you brought them? Box in the attic. Yeah. 
These are some of my old soccer trophies and a couple running trophies here and there. This is sixth place at the annual friendship tournament. In 1987. I was six years old. That was probably close to my first trophy. Actually, no. Oh, I don't have my first trophy here. I got, I got some running trophies here. Uh, this one doesn't have a name on it. Ah, sixth place. Nice. Cypher Varsity. There you go. Uh, Cypher. Awesome. You know where these were? My parents couldn't find them. Okay, they're at my parents' house in Katy. Um, and they're saying, they've been talking to me for years, like, hey, can you just take all those trophies somewhere else? I'm like, no, I don't want them. Uh, and, and literally, I, I told them, I said, hey, I'm doing an illustration, and I need all of my old trophies that don't matter any much. And they're like, great. And my wife is literally, literally telling me, um, you can't keep those here. And I'm like, I know. We've got to get rid of them. Why? You know, this was, these things probably meant a lot to me at the time. But you know what it means to me now? Nothing. Like, I don't care about this basketball trophy (laughs) at all. In fact, I don't even know what these are for. I have to read and go, I, Kesa, second place, fall. I don't remember even getting it. It may have been something I chased for a moment, but I tell you what. I don't care. What's your goal? What are you chasing? Are you going to wake up in 10 years and be like, my pursuits were so hollow? It doesn't matter. In fact, the illustration he's giving is competing for the games. I got a video clip I want to show y'all. Let me set it up for you. In 1992 unless you weren't even born yet. In Barcelona, Spain, there was an Olympic Games. There was a man that was favored to win from England, Great Britain. It's the 400 meters. He is psyched for the race. He had just recently that year set the record for his country, for Great Britain that year. Everything is sparking, inspiring for a moment for this race. Let's watch it. At number 28, an Olympic image that if you watched it at the time, Barcelona 1992, will live with you forever. Derek Redman, the best form he's shown since he broke the British record. The Cuban Hernandez has got uh, Redmond to aim at, and so too in line number three is Steve Lewis, but Redmond's got off very fast indeed, and so too is Ismail of Qatar. Down the back straight, he's the fractional leader. Father of Nigeria has gone very quickly and Redmond has broken down. He's on the track, kneeling down, and Derek Redmond, on his injury problem, the jinx has struck again. Running down the back strike, I heard a funny clap or a pop, and I honestly, for a split second, thought I'd been shot. Uh, and then obviously I realised I've pulled a hamstring. And then when the pain sort of died down, I remembered where I was and what I was doing. I remember thinking, quick, you're in the Olympic semi finals, you crack, get up, start running. Life is full of light and shine.
wants to spin it. His dad's trying to run onto the track to stop him. He's going to tell him, Derek, don't. The old man went to put his arms around me. I was just about to try and push him off. I thought it was some help. I didn't see him sort of jog from behind. And uh, he said, look, you don't need to do this. You can stop him now. You haven't got nothing to prove. And I said, oh, yeah. I was watching this video clip, and it actually wasn't with this song. It was a, um, it was a, a Creed, Nickelback, something. So I like, decided to spare you from that. And I'm watching it in Starbucks, and, and all of a sudden, uncontrollably, I start weeping. Like, I don't cry often, so I don't know if I'm just, like, stressed or something is going on or just, like, I don't know, it was a dramatic moment of hamstring pull and literally I like I, I look to the side I'm at the Starbucks on university there's like windows and I'm like packing up my stuff sideways so like I'm wiping tears and so no one can see me you know breaking down and having a nervous breakdown in the moments and uh, and I thought to myself okay why 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 am I so broken at this moment I think for a couple different reasons one I know what it's like to train like that guy trained I know what it's like to discipline your body, to make it your slave, to run races. For eight years of my life, my life centered around running. I didn't chase anything else other than laps on a track. And I sacrificed all things, my diet, my friends, everything, to run laps. And that's what that guy was doing. He gave up everything for the pursuit for one lap around a race. And you see the pain on his face when his dreams come tumbling around him. But you know why I love that video? Because what really matters happens at the end of that. His dad comes running from the stands. And he says, like, I was going to fight him off. But his dad puts his arm around his son. In other video clips I watched, his, his, the dad's really like fighting off the officials like to like let him finish the race, right? Let him, let him keep on running. His dad puts his arm around him and walks with him. And his son literally pours out tears and is crying on his dad's shoulder because his dreams had been dashed. But you know what was beautiful? This father stood next to him and said, we're going to finish your goals but you know what I hope he saw at the end of this? I don't know anything about that guy, but you know what I hope he saw? There comes a moment when you, a moment when you hang up the cleats, when you hang up the dance shoes, when you put down the pom-poms, and you say to yourself, what really matters? And let me chase that with all of my heart because I promise you this, whatever you're competing for, it will be a perishable wreath. 
but the word of God and the souls of men and the prize that God has for you at the end will last for eternity. And he will look at you if you sacrifice yourself, you discipline yourself for the sake of bringing this message to everyone else. He'll look at you and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. And that's what we all want. So where are you at? Do you know this person of Jesus? And is your life linked up in such a way that you are sacrificing and living for things that matter? We got one last song. We'll close. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for tonight. And Lord, this may be a sobering reality for some of us that that many of us are chasing trinkets And Father, I pray that you would meet with us, that you would show us that you are good and chasing you will ultimately be satisfied. It will never perish away. It will never be something that we forget and lock in an attic. It will be fullness of joy because you meet our deepest needs and you are altogether better than everything else in this world. So Father, for those of us that are believers, I, I pray that we would take on the discomfort maybe of sharing this message with our friends because we've kind of kept it locked up. And for the others of us, Lord, I pray that we would see the things that we're chasing as small and you as big. And we can chase those small things if we've got the big thing lined up. Some of you here, you never put your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Now may be the time. Chris will close us in a little bit. Sing this last song and Think about where you're at. vision of a life that Kevin just cast in front of us, um, this awesome vision of a life lived for a purpose, a life well spent, is only made possible because of the cross of, of Jesus Christ. I know that a lot of you guys have heard that before, and a lot of you guys know and cherish that truth, but the reality of this cross is that a great exchange happened. With Jesus Christ laying his life on the cross, he took our sin upon himself in order to take it out of the way, in order that he could transfer to each of us his perfect righteousness so that through that we could have a restored relationship with God. And it's, it's by faith only that we receive that gift. And so if you're here tonight and you have not received that gift before, we just want to give you an opportunity to do that right here tonight. And it's really nothing magical or special, but I just want to invite you to pray with me if you say, yeah, I, I need that. What Jesus did, I want that for me. Because we have to come to a point in life where that, we hit that crossroads and we say, yes, I'll take it. I know I'm a sinful man or woman and, and I want that. The great exchange. That sounds like a good deal to me. So if that's you, just pray with me. Um, this isn't some magical in anything. It's just a moment to receive from God the gift that he has provided. So uh, pray with me if, if that's you and you want to. God, I recognize that I have uh, gone my own way in life. 
that my natural tendency is to turn from you, God, and that my sin, my rebellion has separated me from a relationship with you, my maker, my creator. And I acknowledge that left to myself, the consequences of my sin is, is death, separation from you, God. But I thank you that Jesus Christ, who was perfect and sinless and knew no sin, went to the cross on my behalf and died for me in my place, taking my sin upon himself so that I could enter into a restored relationship, an eternal relationship with you, having all of my sins forgiven by his blood. And I receive that gift of salvation from you, Jesus, by faith and what Christ has done. And I thank you that you have loved me enough to save me from my sin, to save me from myself. God, thank you for this great gift. Amen. Hey, we love you guys. Have an awesome story.